Welcome to the Safety Pro Roundtable. Every week on this show, you will hear from safety professionals around the industry as we talk about challenges, innovations, and stories that will help you lead a better safety program. This is the Safety Pro Roundtable. I'm really excited today to bring you these two stories. My favorite is storytelling, and I love when people get vulnerable and share their their safety stories. They make it personal. They really share why safety is important in their life because of events that happened in their past. Stay tuned. So um, when I became a process safety specialist for my former employee, I was also going through the process of buying a new home. Okay. And it was 2014, and I lived in the Hammond area. Um, and it, you know, during the process of buying this home, we had a hard freeze in February of 2014. Okay. And one day on my way home, my realtor called me up and said, "Hey, um, there's there's been an event at the house that you're buying. Uh, I had inspected the house the day before." And uh, during the freeze, and that night we had this hard freeze. It got down to like 14 degrees and a pipe burst in the attic. Because the next day, of course, in southern Louisiana, it heated up to (laughs) 60 degrees. Everything thawed. Oh, geez. And a pipe burst on on the water heater in the attic. And it flooded the house. And... So she said, hey, the, the owners of the house, you know, are going to go out there. They want you to come and take a look at the damage and talk about, you know, if you want to move forward, you know, what, what's going to happen. And so uh, I went to the house and I got to meet the family that was selling this home, which is not something that's typical. You usually don't meet anybody that's you know selling until the day of closing. Uh, but, you know, they wanted to, to make sure that I was OK with, you know, plans to move forward and. You know, that aspect turned out to be pretty good. We ended up getting new flooring and some new sheetrock and this and that, getting able to choose some paint colors and all that stuff because of the damage that was there, new carpet and whatnot. But what was interesting is that I realized and I learned that I was buying the home from the surviving members of uh, the family of a man named Zach Green. And uh, Zach and his wife and his two little girls had lived in this home together. And it it brought things into context because in the backyard, there were little kids toys, like a a little pink four-wheeler, electric four-wheeler and that kind of stuff. And when you walk through the house, the evidence was there that someone just dropped everything and left. Uh, The house was kind of abandoned. You know, they took their furniture and major things out, but there was mail there. And there were, you know, there were things there that that's not typical in, in a house that someone's trying to sell. And I learned through that process that Zach had passed away in the Williams Olefins explosion in Geismer, Louisiana. And he's an, he was an operator in that unit. Uh, the CSB did a uh, did an investigation on that on that event, and it you know there were several process safety failures involved. Um, you know, going back to management of change. And, uh, and several other elements of PSM, you know, that there were issues with. But, um, you know, Zach happened to just be in the area when his supervisor turned the steam valve on to a propylene exchanger that then blew up and killed him and, and the supervisor. And so, um, you know, I got to meet the family, the surviving members of the family of a man who died in a process safety event. 
and I had just taken over the process safety role at my my employer, and it was really eye opening because I mean, you know, just to see this family, there were there were five other siblings, and in meeting them there, oddly enough, while they still lived in that house, but years before, they lost their father to an oil field event, and so this family had lost. You know their, you know their father and the eldest brother to industrial events. Lunch will be provided for you beginning at 11 a.m. So exhibitors only. Lunch will be provided at 11 a.m. So I got to meet you know th this family who had been through so much loss, and they associated that loss with with the home to some extent. They were just they didn't want they didn't want that house anymore. And, uh, you know, Zach Green's uh, wife and two children, they moved out. They were like, we can't we can't live here. You know, so I ended up buying these people's home. Um, but I got to see firsthand, you know, how how a process safety or how any kind of industrial accident event impacted the family. And it was you could tell that this family was just devastated by, by what they had gone through. And uh, it was it was a very eye opening thing for me. And so that's. That's as close to a process safety event as I as I ever want to get, but it helped kind of it, it made it personal for me, and it helped me understand that you know what we're doing in the industry to, to keep people safe these management systems uh, there's it's meaningful you know it, it's more than uh, it's more than accounting you know we're not doing a safety accounting. We're really trying to make sure that people go back home to their families. Thank you so much. That is a profound um, story. And I think that it's really beautiful that you were able to walk through that journey and really um, ha have that um, transform you. And, and, and the lenses in, in your glasses, you know, you, yeah. you change the way that you look at things. I think that's really profound. Yeah, that was that was eight years ago now. And, uh, you know, probably for the first four years when I told that story, it brought tears to my eyes. Yeah. You know, just the, the memory of seeing that family. And and, uh, and it dawned on me, you know, it, when I had first looked at the house, I had seen the, the kids toys in the backyard and stuff like that. Kids toys in the bedrooms. And it just it seemed odd. And then when I learned the reason why, you know, it really just meant it, it, the things in your life. Are meaningless it's the people in your life that mean something and uh and and when when they are gone they're gone uh you know you don't you don't get to have any more experiences with them and so uh you know it just really drove that home and so uh that's that's what i try to bring to work with me you know uh to, to remind myself because we all have good days we all have bad days and some days you feel like you're not making any progress you know, uh, and, and, you know, some days you're on top of the world, but on the days that you feel like you're not making progress, you know, it helps give me that perspective that what I am doing is still important. And so, uh, you know, to, to just to stay at it, you know, the good days will come back. Hopefully. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your story. Such a pleasure to meet you. Yeah, it was a pleasure to meet you, too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm here with Jeremy Darrington. Um, tell me who you work for. I work for Shermco Industries. We're an electrical services company, uh, electrical testing, maintenance, and inspection. Uh, we're the largest in North America, and we're extremely fast growing. Thanks. We have a lot of uh, opportunity to work in Texas, 
that's where we started. That's where we we gained most of our business. I've only worked for them for two years. So it's fairly new to me. I'm learning more and more about the company as we expand. It expands a lot of our, our safety concern and our safety efforts. So okay. our purpose is to help other companies make sure that their systems are safe and, and, and manageable. Their maintenance is done properly. It seems like a really important piece of the pie or the puzzle. Um, so... I love hearing about stories, personal stories. I think it connects us. And um, safety stories are, are typically pretty profound. And you have a couple of, of uh, safety stories that you'd like to share with us. I do. I have three brave, brief safety stories that actually touch me personally. Okay. I'll start with the most current. Uh, my uncle, he's 83 years old. He's a contractor. Has been his whole life. He's a stubborn old man. <laughs> uh, Continues to work even after his wife passed away. Okay. Uh, he's working now? He's still working. At 83? At 83. Oh. Still building homes. Wow. Like I said, stubborn old man. Very good at what he does. Okay. Uh, it was this past past holiday season right before my aunt passed away. Uh, he was up on a ladder hanging his Christmas lights, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. And the ladder had a little bit of frost on it. Mm -hmm. He stepped in the wrong place and fell and actually hit the ground, shattering his hip and fracturing three ribs and breaking four others. And he was in traction for six months trying to recover. And during that time, his wife wasn't doing well. And so he and his wife were both being cared for at the same time. And it added an, an extra burden on his family. Sure. And I've watched my, my dad and my uncle both do some pretty crazy things in construction long before there were construction rules and, and expectations. Is your dad in construction? My dad used to be. Uh, he was a contractor. 1983 housing boom. He lost his business mm. and started working for a university. So uh, from that point, he retired. Now he's trying to rebuild his house. Uh, he and my mother moved and they're trying to expand on their home. So he's back up on ladders at 70, 75 years old doing the work that he did before and it just terrifies me <laughs> what can you do not nothing like right i don't know much you can do i don't tell my parents what to do i didn't tell my uncle what to do the only reason i talk about that is because ladder safety is so important construction safety is absolutely important and a lot of the injuries that we see today are construction related a lot of them can, can be or are preventable uh, if we look at the potential hazards that we're we're dealing with, actually have that conversation, connect with those people. The other story, the next story I have is my uncle, my father's brother. Okay. Different for uncle. A different uncle. Wow. This other uncle is my mother's sister's husband. Okay. So a, a little confusing, but this other uncle was my dad's brother. He is my dad's brother. He's not gone. So mm -hmm. let me correct that. He worked as a lineman for an electrical company in uh, Southern Idaho. And he was out working, tying in some new lines in a substation. And he and his partner were out there working to get this work completed. And they were not aware that somebody had re-energized the section of that line. And as they were pulling the new lines in, they were inserting the lines in the, in the box, getting ready to tie them to the bus uh, behind the transformer. They had opened the panel and we're working on it and they moved to an additional panel. 
and as he opened the panel, it exploded in his face. He had an arc flash event. My uncle was severely burned. You'd never know it today, only because today, right now, he only has a scar here on his chest, a very small one, and his face is ultra sensitive, so he can never shave again. So he's full bearded. He's been that way for 33 years. And we thought we were going to lose him. He was in a burn center for about three and a half months. Oh my God. But going through that. Well, you know, it's that, it's the internal dam the internal damage that that does. You know, you can't see it from the outside, but right. the inside. He's extremely cautious now. Yeah. Uh, we change you forever. Continued his work. I, I was surprised he had continued his work and retired from that company. Wow. Uh, it didn't rattle him too much that he quit and went to do something else. It just made him more aware. And he's part of the reason why we have some of the, re uh, the checks and balances we do in the electrical the systems today. Yeah. Uh, they've had too many incidents like that. And as a result, his investigation, he started implementing some of the practices in the, in the Mountain West. <clears throat> the, last, the last story I have is about uh, securing kinetic energy. It's an old story, older than I am. Uh, my mother's father uh, was an industrial welder. He worked, was a very beautiful welder. In fact, we still have a lot of his welded equipment today. And there's no comparison. Uh, his skill was about reproach. He was extremely craft, crafty at his task. He, he did very well. And... He was in the machine shop one day working on welding a clevis back on a lift cylinder in a dump bed on a dump truck. And the company had actually secured it up. They put chains and lifted it up and they had chains and ropes everywhere to keep the bed up, prevent it from falling. The only caveat back there in 1970, they didn't realize that blocking was an important part of that process. And in the middle of his weld, he was engaged in his work. Uh, two of the chains snapped. And there was a cascade event causing the dump bed to actually slam shut with my grandfather inside while he was under the dump bed. So my grandfather was killed as a result of an industrial accident. I, I'm very passionate about safety because it touches very close to my, my heart. Uh, I've seen multiple instances. Just a tidbit, I, I was working with my father when I was 13. He was putting a new roof on an extension for my aunt and uncle. And he was walking across the boards without fall protection. Stubborn old man, once again. And Seems like that's the was, theme of this. Pod. He was carrying a truss by himself. So 130 pound truss, he's carrying across the roof. Uh, the, the addition was only 15 feet wide, but that truss was extremely difficult to balance as he's walking around the perimeter of this wall. Mm -hmm. And the next thing I hear from him is, move. And I look up and I see him falling off the roof with the truss in his hands. Now, a 13-year-old normally would freeze. And I think I jumped the farthest in my life. I jumped over an electric fence into a field as I watched my father's feet plant in the ground. The dirt underneath was actually soft enough. But when he got up out of his crouched position from falling, there were eight inches indention in the ground underneath him. Had that ground not given way, he probably would have shattered his hip and shattered his legs. So I look at safety as critical. 
Yeah. It's something that we, we are, something that we think about. Sometimes we think too often about the task and not too often about what are we doing to mitigate potential risk. Right. It seems like um, once you get really comfortable with your surroundings, you think of the workarounds. Yes. And you think, oh, this is going to be faster. This is going to be okay. I'm just going to just, just going to do it really fast and it'll be okay. You know, and, and I think that that's really common when you get really comfortable with your environment. Um, then you start yes. thinking about alternate ways to do things that you may not have done before. That's right. Yeah. So do you have um, a solution or, or, or a different way that people can maybe um, prevent this? Or is it, um, main, is it educating? Is it maintaining? And what, do you, what do you think? My opinion is this. Just don't be a, a stubborn old man. <laughs> Just don't do that and you'll be okay. Part of it includes that. <laughs> but this is my opinion. Uh, when it comes from a safety perspective, the most important part of doing work, any kind of work scope, have that conversation to begin with. Look beyond, you know, the normal things that are just check the box, you know, pinch points. What today can kill me? And that's how I, I actually work in my life. What can kill me? The reason I do that is because my grandfather died in an industrial accident. My uncle was severely burned. My dad could have could have severely injured himself or died uh, in that one event. And my other uncle at 83 could have died from a shattered hip. And I look back at those events and they motivate me to have that conversation, to challenge people. You know, what can kill me today? Have I really managed the things that can kill me? We, we deal with risk every day. Yes. We work in a risky, a risky environment. Some of them are extremely hazardous. But as long as we understand the hazards and we mitigate those with conversation, and we really captured everything. And if we reach a point where we don't know, let's call a stop, have a conversation. Let's really think through it. If we're questioning what we're doing, it's better to stop and have that conversation. You are exactly right. And that sometimes can be a scary thing to not know, but it's, it's people will add, I think it's actually empowering and, and it's a strength when somebody says, I don't know, and I'm going to go find out. I think that is a stronger, um, more powerful person than somebody that just pushes through because I can be that stubborn ding dong saying, I'll figure it out. I don't need help. But I literally did it the other day. I was like, I don't need help. And I was like cutting this wood and I had my, my um, table saw and doing all this stuff. And I completely messed it up and I refused to ask for help. I didn't know exactly what I was doing and uh, I had to redo the project because and I was not going to ask for help. My dad had a say. What is wrong with me? I mean, like, it's so right. dumb. It's my ego. It was my ego. I was not going to ask Adam to, you know, it's just so silly. It's ego for me. My dad had to say, measure twice, count once. Mm -hmm. I apply that to a lot in my life. I want to make sure that I measure twice and I cut once. When it comes to safety, if you don't do that, that double conversation, mm -hmm. really double check, uh, it is ego for a lot of people. Absolutely. If you look at a two or three year old, no. <laughs> me do it I, I don't know how many times I've heard that from a two or three year old <laughs> right? sometimes it's just helping them understand I don't want to take it away from you I just want to show you 
maybe a better way. Mm-hmm. And there are so many distractions. I was talking to somebody about distractions and I just thought of this, you know, I believe the reason that I wasn't, I didn't do that task properly is I had two of my children with me and I was trying so hard to engage them, but they were all dinging me in other directions If I was trying to engage them, but also cut it and get it right. And then I had all these pieces that I were, were measuring and I was trying to engage them and they were distracting and then they were arguing about who's going to hit the hammer and all this stuff. And, um, I zoomed out of that experience and I thought, I know what I did wrong. Two things. Number one, I didn't ask for help. I was literally saying to myself, I, I need to ask for help. And I was refusing to do it, which is my first mistake. My second mistake was when I started feeling that distraction and I started feeling like I'm, I'm getting a little off here. I should have stepped back and said, okay, let's just recenter here and, and do what I'm doing because then I wouldn't have had to make the darn thing twice. Right. You know, refocus sometimes is the biggest, the biggest key that we have in any work. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? And so I have two picture frames, one that's like, and then the other one that's perfect. <laughs> well, at least it's unique. <laughs> it's really, it is very unique. <laughs> it does not look good. Um, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your stories. That is powerful. And people can relate to that. Um, and and your your solutions and, and asking people um, to refocus and, and, and how important safety is and how it, I think it's really how it affects other people. Mm-hmm. That if we're not paying attention and we're not measuring twice and cutting once, we can really affect other people. Because look how the people that your grandfather affected. Yes. So thank you so much. Thank you. How can people find you? Uh, they can email me at jdarrington, that's D-A-R-R-I-N-G-T-O-N, at shermco, S-H-E-R-M-C-O.com. Tell me a little bit about what you do and how you can help people. Well, I'm actually a VPP coordinator at my site. Wonderful. We just went through reapproval and got that done. That's an arduous process, isn't it? And I just was promoted. So my new title is new to me, Senior Manager of EHS Systems and and uh, compliance. Congratulations. So uh, I'm still done. overseeing shops and doing uh, the EHS manager piece right now. We're trying to backfill and fill that role. But uh, it's nice. been a good, a good run for me. Well done. Well done. Congratulations. Thank you for joining us on the Safety Pro Roundtable. This podcast is brought to you by Sospis, bringing you the best EH software in the industry. If you're ready to learn more about how an EHS software can transform your safety program, your profits, and your entire company, head to www.sospis.com slash podcast. That is www.sospes.com slash podcast. We'll see you next time on the Safety Pro Roundtable.